Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard. Wind, rain, snow, and ice. It's all in the offering this weekend, folks. And oh, did I mention the bitter cold? Yeah, that's coming too. A very busy Kevin Williams gets us started from the weather center. Another impactful storm is on the way, promising wind, snow, sleet, and rain. In its wake, the air grows colder. Lake effect snows are plenty with blowing and drifting, producing very difficult traveling additions as we head through the second half of the weekend into early next week. The Weather Channel's Jim Cantori is in Chicago this afternoon where blizzard-like conditions have settled in. It is absolutely brutal right now. We'll be in this all day. Winds will be howling off the lake 12 to 18 inches, and this is going to be a heavy, wet snow. Rain is coming to the East Coast again. Who gets what, where, and when? Kev's got your complete weekend forecast coming up. Already today, there have been over 1,600 flights canceled, most of them in the Midwest. Overseas, the U.S. and the U.K. fired more than 100 missiles into Yemen. They came from ships, planes, and even a U.S. submarine. 60 Houthi targets were hit. Correspondent Nancy Cordes. This marks the first time the U.S. has fired on Yemen since the Israel-Hamas war began in October. Some ask, where was this strike weeks ago? Others wonder, could this drag the U.S into a larger Mideast war. Military analyst Jim Hansen. Both of those things are true, but this was a vital and necessary step. I don't think we should lose sight of the fact the Houthis are basically a franchise terror operation of the Iranian regime, as are the militias who've been attacking us in Iraq and Syria, as are Hezbollah and Hamas. So at some point, we're going to have to deal with the spider at the center of this web. That's the real danger. The Houthis have been attacking commercial ships in the Red Sea with drone-fired missiles for months. NBC News security analyst Jeremy Bass. We are in a proxy war with Iran already. This could have a geo-economic shock, but also if one of those missiles hits a U.S. naval vessel and American sailors die, we could be in a much broader conflict. Former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard doubts our military response to the Houthis will have the desired effect. The actions that are being taken right now will not increase our national security or the safety and well-being of our troops who are deployed overseas, nor will it have the consequence of stopping these attacks by the Houthis. In fact, the opposite is true. It will increase and escalate their attacks. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin gave the order to attack from his hospital bed at Walter Reed Medical Center, where he's continuing to recover from cancer surgery. There have been over 100 attacks on U.S. military bases by Iran-backed rebels in the Middle East since the Israeli Hamas war began nearly 100 days ago. Three days to go before the Iowa caucuses, the first showdown in the 2024 presidential race. Reporter Ed O'Keefe says the key issues are the economy, immigration, and the weather. I got more reinforcements with layers of clothes on the way. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he's not concerned about the weather Monday, but he is concerned about frontrunner Donald Trump. I want to focus on what can we do so that hardworking people can get ahead again. None of that will happen in this election if Trump is the nominee. DeSantis and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley are scheduled to crisscross the state through the weekend, trying to win over the last remaining undecided Republicans. You set the tone for the country. Haley is drawing larger crowds intrigued by a series of polls suggesting she'd defeat President Biden if she's the nominee. That's got-
governorships, that's House, that's Senate, that's all the way down to the school board. The voters are most concerned with rising prices. I just told my husband the other day, do you know how much that orange juice costs? And with immigration. One big unknown, since Republicans can only vote during caucuses at 7 p.m. Monday night, how will the record low temperatures affect turnout? At O'Keefe in Iowa today, Donald Trump's civil fraud trial is over with in New York City. The judge in the non-jury trial expected to make a decision on his guilt or innocence by the end of the month. Leading the charge against Trump is Attorney General Tish James. This case is about the facts and the law. And Mr. Donald Trump violated the law. James is suing Trump for $370 million. Trump claims the AG has a personal vendetta against him. She's got serious Trump derangement syndrome. There's no question about Letitia James, the corrupt attorney general of New York. Trump's accused of inflating the value of his property to secure better loans. Texas is taking matters into its own hands when it comes to border security. It seized control of a public park in Eagle Pass that's been overrun by illegal immigrants. Governor Greg Abbott says he's using every tool in the toolbox to respond to President Biden's border crisis. Texas Congressman Troy Nell. Joe Biden is responsible for this invasion and he could stop it tomorrow, but he won't do it. The Lone Star State's using an emergency declaration to block federal border agents from entering that 47-acre park. The U.S. government's been using it as a holding facility for migrants the past few weeks. The FAA says it will significantly increase its oversight of Boeing, including a new audit on the 737 MAX 9 jetliner. This after last week's incident on the West Coast, when a door blew off an Alaskan Airlines flight shortly after takeoff. We'll say goodbye to the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. It comes down tonight. Three, two, one. After mesmerizing Manhattan sightseers since late November when its lights were turned on, Rock Center's 80-foot Norway spruce is being repurposed. Unlike garden variety Christmas trees, it won't be turned into mulch. This beautiful 12-ton tree will be cut and carved into lumber as it is every year and donated to Habitat for Humanity to build homes for the underprivileged. Sarah Lee Kessler, New York. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Friday, trouble in an ambulance in Rochester, New York, the president in Pennsylvania, and wild weather for the Bills Steelers wild card game. Well, very good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams, tracking a storm system that promises some inclement weather this weekend, including snow, ice, rain, and wind. I'll spell things out in the forecast in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, see you then. Let's check the stories making news across New York and Pennsylvania. President Biden in Pennsylvania today. He's touring several businesses in Allentown, the state's third largest city. The president will be touting Bidenomics in a city that the White House says got poorly served by trickle-down economics. An Aquinnipiac poll out today shows Biden clinging to a three-point lead over Donald Trump in the Keystone state. Several states are taking action to try and keep Trump off the primary ballot this year due to his ongoing legal woes, but Pennsylvania is not among them. Governor Josh Shapiro says Trump's name should appear on the April 23rd primary ballot. My personal view on this is this election should be decided at the ballot box, not in the courts. Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman agreed. We can put him away on the ballot and we will in Pennsylvania. I find him 
Shapiro says he is certain that it will be a Biden-Trump rematch in 2024, even though polls show most Americans would like to see that not happen. Political strategist Christopher Nichols. Democrats and Republicans would both do their country and their party a service, I believe, if they turn to the next generation of leadership. Will it happen? Don't think so. Trump lost to President Biden by about 80,000 votes in Pennsylvania in 2020. He won the Commonwealth over Hillary Clinton by 44,000 votes back in 2016. It's playoff time for the NFL and two local teams of interest will lock horns this weekend. The Buffalo Bills host the Pittsburgh Steelers at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. We got familiarity with Buffalo. We got familiarity with that venue. I'm sure they say similar things about us. Um, it's January football. Bills quarterback Josh Allen. We're very fortunate to be playing another game. There's a lot of a lot of teams that aren't. Um, so this is a, a very inspired group right now. We just love that we're able to come in here and, and do what we love to do. The Bills are the hottest team in the NFL right now, winning their last five in a row. The Steelers squeaked into the playoffs by claiming one of the two wild card spots. Blizzard-like conditions could wreak havoc on this weekend's wild card game. Here's Family Life's D. Haley. There is the potential for strong winds and accumulating lake effect snow this weekend that could impact the Bills' home game on Sunday. It will also be much colder with highs in the low 20s and wind chill values in the low teens. Forecasters say a lake effect snow band could set up near or over the stadium for tailgating and possibly for the game. Last night, the NFL refuted reports claiming that the Bills-Steelers wildcard game could be moved to Cleveland, citing weather concerns. The NFL is monitoring conditions as they do for every game, but there have been no discussions about making a change to the game status. D. Haley, Family Life News. All right, Dee, thank you very much. And with that wicked weather on the way, New York's Governor Kathy Hochul warning the lake belts, get ready. Some very serious high wind gusts of up to 60 miles an hour off of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario that could cause more power outages. Right now, we still have about 17,000 New Yorkers without power from the earlier storm this week. A lake effect snowstorm for western New York and the Lake Ontario region is also approaching. While the lake flakes will pile high in ski country, wind and rain will be a problem in eastern areas of New York and Pennsylvania. Utility crews say they're ready, though, for whatever old man winter dishes out. This is something that our crews, our line workers, our tree crews, this is what they're trained for. So they're certainly prepared for this. We're not taking any chances. We never do. We have uh, people who are going to be ready just like they were Tuesday for a repeat of what it looks like we just experienced. Up to a foot and a half of snow possible this weekend in the belts. Sub-zero wind chills will arrive next week. The governor's plan to combat crime getting mixed reviews. Criminal reform activist Katie Schaefer wants more balance between law enforcement and community investment. The budget is an opportunity to make those kinds of community-based investments rather than to perpetuate a false narrative that we can incarcerate our way out of so Ills. Republican State Senator Rob Rollison says there has to be consequences when crimes are committed. Gotta hold people accountable. 
Laws on books are great. I, I get it. But you got to hold people accountable with those laws. Use those tools and you will see a difference. You will. Governor Hochul wants to expand the list of crimes considered to be hate crimes, take guns away from domestic abusers and establish a task force at the state police targeted to stopping serial shoplifters. The families of those killed and injured in the Buffalo Tops supermarket massacre meeting today with federal officials from the U.S. Justice Department. Peyton Gendron, the teenage gunman responsible for the hate crime, already serving a life sentence. The federal government may pursue the death penalty, a court hearing set for 2 o'clock this afternoon. A Rochester man who was asked to leave a city ambulance several weeks ago has since died. That incident happened in late November when the man was apparently suffering from some type of medical condition, refused to leave that ambulance for whatever reason. Here's the audio courtesy of Wham News. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he will not get out of our truck. Okay. And he's got to go. Looks like they want you out. They want you out, sir. I hear you. I probably try to control myself a little bit better. Police say the man became violent with the MTs at the scene. Minutes later, he was left on a sidewalk. That man died shortly before Christmas. Rochester Mayor Malik Evans. We must get to the bottom of this. We must understand how and why this occurred, and we must identify processes and safeguards to ensure that this does not ever happen again. The ambulance company involved in this incident has conducted its own internal review. A commission reviewing how Pennsylvania doles out money to public schools says the state is shortchanging districts to the tune of $5.4 billion. Public school activist Michael Churchill. For many, many years, the local districts have been saying, what have we been doing wrong? Why are we having so much trouble providing the services that we need, even though we're taxing relatively highly. And the answer has been, it hasn't been the district's problem. It's been the Harrisburg's problem in not providing sufficient support. Pennsylvania schools will learn how much aid they can expect when Governor Shapiro delivers his budget address next month. Sports up next, it's the two-minute drill on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the New York Knicks' winning streak is over at 5. In Dallas last night, the Mavericks got 44 points from Kyrie Irving and 32 points from Tim Hardaway Jr., and they beat the Knicks 128-124. to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson had 32 and 30, respectively, for New York. Donovan Mitchell must like playing across the pond. In Paris, France, Mitchell poured in 45 points and he grabbed 12 rebounds. He led Cleveland to a 111-102 victory over the Nets. Cavs have now won four straight, while Brooklyn has lost seven of their last eight. The Bucks, Thunder, and Suns, your other winners on the hardwood. On the ice, Tage Thompson lit the lamb twice, and Buffalo's J.J. Paterka, Peyton Krebs, and Dylan Cousins also found the back of the net. They led the Sabres over the Ottawa Senators 5-3. In St. Louis, the Rangers got Kyrude by the St. Louis Blues 5-2. What is Kyrude? Well, that's his name. Jason Kyrou had the hat trick to lead St. Louis to the win. Matthew Barzal scored 21 seconds 
into overtime to lift the Islanders over Toronto 4-3. And in Pittsburgh, Elias Peterson scored on a breakaway in overtime to give Vancouver a 4-3 victory over the Penguins. For Peterson, it is the fourth game in a row that he has scored the game-winning goal. Baseball. The Yankees are going to pay Juan Soto a truckload of money. They avoided arbitration with him by agreeing to a one-year $31 million contract. And the Yanks also signed pitcher Marcus Stroman to a two-year deal. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy. Still to come, the Capital Connection crew ready to talk shop on all that's happening in Albany and Harrisburg. Plus, Family Life's Brian Query tells us why you shouldn't be sad if you've broken your New Year's resolution. And meteorologist Kevin Williams tracking a blockbuster storm. His forecast is yours right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Well, it was seven years ago this month that National Geographic published an issue that they now refer to humbly as historic. With a cover that featured a young boy with long pink hair and pink leggings, they announced a, quote, gender revolution. The newsstand edition featured a different cover, a child and a collection of young hip people with identifying labels like transgender female, androgynous, and bigender. Our perceptions of those who are transgender, the cover suggested, should not simply be men with a fetish. Rather, embracing new understandings of gender is all about the kids. One article focused on the challenge of toxic masculinity. Five others promised that rethinking gender would elevate women. Seven years later, however, it's clear the gender revolution happened, but it did anything but elevate women. As child psychiatrist Miriam Grossman, author of Lost in Transnation, explained, the number of teen girls with recent onset discomfort with their sex is up 4,000%. And especially vulnerable are girls with mental comorbidities, especially autism, an association that even one of the National Geographic articles at the time acknowledged. People who are autistic are three to six times more likely to not identify with their birth sex. Even so, seven years later, there are clear signs that this revolution has slowed. Finland, Sweden, the UK, Norway have all drawn back from providing so-called gender-affirming care to young people because the science is clearly not settled. And though the Biden administration seems very committed to advancing this revolution by force, in states like Missouri and Ohio and elsewhere, lawmakers have taken definitive steps to protect children from it. The credit for slowing down what seemed to be, as recently as a couple years ago, an unstoppable train headed off the cliff, goes to a coalition of unlikely allies. From the so-called TERFs, or trans-exclusionary radical feminists like Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, to brave young people like Chloe Cole who have detransitioned and then filed lawsuits and testified before state legislators, to people like Matt Walsh. 22 states have now stopped or limited so-called gender-affirming care for minors. Though National Geographic may have thought that this gender revolution was inevitable, it's now time for an update on the cultural state of play. And that's what we're going to do next Tuesday, January 16th at 7 p.m. in our next free online Breakpoint Forum, The Real Facts About Gender Ideology. Our featured presenters for the forum are child psychiatrist Dr. Miriam Grossman and Dr. Stephen Gersovich. You can sign up to join live and ask questions or to receive a link to the recording after by going to breakpoint.org slash forum. That's breakpoint.org slash forum. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Dr. Heather Peterson. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.
John, let's head outside. Meteorologist Kevin Williams has your wintry weekend forecast. For this afternoon, mainly cloudy. High temperatures near 40. It'll be very windy this evening with gusts to 50 miles an hour in spots. But tomorrow, after a lull, the winds will pick up again, be very strong and gusty in the afternoon with falling temperatures. Rain showers followed by snow showers. And then for tomorrow night and Sunday, areas of heavy lake snow and blowing snow east of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario in the snow belts. Otherwise, variable clouds and flurries. High temperatures on Sunday, upper teens to the upper 20s. Wind chills low, single digits and below. All right. Thank you, Kevin. It is Friday, the 12th of January, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues. At the state capitals, they are, as always, Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Well, gentlemen, this is our first show of the new year, so I'll say happy 2024 to you both. And uh, Jason, in keeping with a New Year tradition, the governor of New York delivered the annual State of the State address this week. Governor Hochul, uh, the third time that she has had that honor. thought it was interesting. She unveiled some 200 proposals during that speech, a hodgepodge of policy issues in Albany. Uh, what stood out to you, Jay, as the biggest headline from Tuesday's speech? Well, a couple of things. I just, I think for context, it's important for our listeners to know that she's tacking to the center in this particular address. You know, in all those 200 proposals, there were a lot of things that were left out uh, that, frankly, the progressives and the left really want. But because it's an election year, not for the governor, but for Congress and for every member of the state legislature, the Democrats are very nervous about uh, looking like they're leaning too far left in a state, even like New York, that is starting to vote more Republican. Uh, there is some concern over that. She tacked to the center. So I think the real story is what wasn't mentioned in there. She left a lot of the normal extremism out of her address. Yeah, one of the big things that was left out of her address, Jason, was uh, the migrant crisis in New York. Really didn't spend much time on that at all. I mean, just a few weeks ago, you were calling that the biggest story of the year in New York. She failed to mention that. How come? Yeah, and I think it still will be a big story in you know 2024. Uh, she didn't mention it because of what I you know alluded to in the previous answer is the fact that she does not want to touch that thing with a 10-foot poll uh, because it really is going to hurt the congressional delegation election effort this year. But she's going to have to. You know, in New York City, they are now moving some of the migrants into a local public high school and moving those students to remote instruction instead. This is going to be an issue that is not going away. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. I know she's going to give us her budget address next week. But Michael, uh, Pennsylvania politicians aren't going to be back in Harrisburg until next month. What are some of the major policy battles that you expect to have with the General Assembly this year? Yeah, it is a slow start to the session this year with the Democrat House Speaker Joanna McClinton deciding that the House will not meet for votes till mid-March. They're going to meet to hear the governor's speech next month. But the big issues ahead, uh, the push for legalization of so-called recreational marijuana. There are several concerns on education, including court-ordered changes to public education funding. And then, of course, there's the aggressive pro-abortion agenda of the Democrats with bills looking to expand abortion right up until birth. 
Yeah, we're going to talk a little later about how what kind of governor Josh Shapiro will be in 2024. Hang on for that yeah. in a bit. Uh, but first, Jason, I want to talk about some election issues. Uh, New York State Senate this week passed sweeping voting and election reforms. I think there were all told some 10 bills that they voted on. I imagine a lot of this does not sit well with you, sir. How does this legislative effort serve to undermine election integrity? Yeah, this is becoming somewhat of a tradition now for the Senate Democrats position this as they are saving the democracy and passing these election reforms. But actually, there's some real concern. You know, one of the bills that passed would allow for these voter drop boxes, and there's no security as far as where those ballot boxes would be dropped. Another would allow for setting up these mobile sites, kind of pop-up voting stations. There's some concern over that. And, and really, what got voted against by many of these Democrats? Voter ID here in the state of New York. So uh, I'm not sure how much election reform was happening in the bills that were moving this week. And again, you know, there's not a state in the country, maybe one or two, where it's easier to vote than New York State. This failed last year, correct me if I'm wrong, in the state assembly, right? Yeah, that's where this uh, you know, moves in the Senate, and then it kind of stymies itself once it gets to the state assembly. And I expect you'll see some motion in the assembly this year, but certainly not all of those pieces of legislation. Yeah. Uh, Michael, I want to get your thoughts on this. I read an interesting article, I believe it was last week, on Spotlight PA, warning that Pennsylvania voters may not be prepared for election misinformation this year. Are you worried at all that the same kinds of election integrity issues that we witnessed in 2020 may crop up in 2024. Yeah, I do think so. I am concerned because I don't think enough has been done to try to fix those things. Some of the mainstream media sources that many Pennsylvanians and Americans rely on for their news and information take funding from left-leaning organizations and donors. The Associated Press is a prime example of that. And so as we're looking for election information, sometimes it's the news sources that are the source of the misinformation, which is why I encourage people to listen to programs like yours news sources like you and to tie in with uh, credible organizations like Jason's there in New York to get the information about the issues they care about. And a shameless plug for your voter guides that you guys put out each year. Those voter guides do a remarkable job. So keep up the great work, both of you. I want to talk about the sanctity of human life issue next, Jason. You call it the Free Abortions for Out-of-Staters Act, which was debated by the Senate Health Committee recently. What's contained in this legislation. Yeah, it's interesting. This year's version of the bill downplays the fact that this is essentially that abortion tourism we were talking about last year. They will pay for bringing people here to cover their abortions from otherwise more pro-life states that maybe have certain restrictions on abortion. Again, this is an example of how a state that is quickly heading towards bankruptcy and the sinking ship here in New York is now looking to prioritize and fund abortions for anyone who will come here. It's not the kind of industry we want to promote. What I thought was interesting, not only does it pay for these abortions, it also funds the construction of new abortion facilities, correct? Yeah, here in New York, we view Planned Parenthood as the industry too big to fail. We'll do everything we can with taxpayer dollars just to puff them up and to build them up. It really is just a tragedy how our state views Planned Parenthood and its allies. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, Michael, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is fast approaching. I believe it is January 21st this year, the day before the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I know you're involved in this fight on a day-to-day basis, but why do our churches, our houses of 
worship need to be on the front lines of this fight to preserve life. Well, Bob, uh, even though we won a tremendous victory with the overturn of the infamous Roe versus Wade abortion decision, our culture has had nearly 50 years of abortion on demand, and that's brought a pervasive cultural acceptance that abortion, which is the purposeful taking of an innocent human life, is okay in some or even every circumstance. And that sinful attitude is the natural drift of any culture throughout history. And so now more than ever, the church is needed to turn our culture towards life and away from the self-centeredness that's at the heart of abortion. Gotcha. I want to spend the last couple of minutes with you guys talking about 2024. What's at stake in 2024? I know we have a big presidential election, but uh, Jason, I imagine you're going to be mentioning this a time or two on this program this year, and that is the so-called Equality Amendment. It will be voted on on Election Day, November 5th. For our listeners who aren't familiar with what this is, explain what it is and why it's so dangerous. Yeah, some of the listeners may remember uh, we talked about Governor Cuomo's Abortion Expansion Act. Essentially, it gives us a virtually unfettered right to abortion in the state of New York and our state law. We also have various protections for the LGBTQ community, which really become discriminatory actions against those who hold traditional beliefs. Both of those pieces of law, if this amendment passes, would become constitutionally protected in New York State. So there'd be a constitutional right to late-term abortion. There would be a constitutional right for a child to receive a sex change surgery. Those types of things are what would happen with this amendment and a reason why it should be opposed by every voter here in the state of New York this November. And then, you know, Michael, uh, we mentioned up front, what kind of governor will Josh Shapiro be in 2024, given that there is so much at stake in 2024? We heard Jason mention that Governor Hochul has taken a more middle-of-the-road approach in New York. But what about Pennsylvania? Do you see him pivoting to the middle, or will he lurch to the left this year? Well, it's kind of interesting because he sort of talks a middle-of-the-road game when he's out there campaigning or talking about other candidates and things, but the reality is that he governs very strongly from the left. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I expect from Josh Shapiro is more of the same, where he's going to talk a good game. He takes credit for a lot of things that he really had nothing to do with. That's par for the course for Josh Shapiro and what we'll expect in this coming year. All right, and we will discussing a lot of these issues all year long. If you have questions, Jason just talked about it. What is the Equality Amendment and why is it dangerous? Jason, you have a wonderful article on your website. Where can folks learn more? OpenlyUpdate.com. And stay informed on all the issues. Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is coming up. Why do you need to get involved? Michael, there's an article on your website as well. Where can folks read that? PAFamily.org. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Capital Connection comes your way Fridays during the Noon Report or online anytime, familylife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. The storm system in southern Illinois heading northeastbound is going to promise some rather wide-ranging and sometimes rather inclement weather conditions in our region this weekend. The forecast details for this afternoon, mainly cloudy. High temperatures near 40. It'll be very windy this evening with gusts to 50 miles an hour in spots before those winds subside later tonight. Mainly cloudy. We'll have snow and sleet this evening, giving an inch or two for some before changing to rain as temperatures rise in the 30s. For tomorrow, 
After a lull, the winds will pick up again, be very strong and gusty in the afternoon with falling temperatures, rain showers followed by snow showers. And then for tomorrow night and Sunday, areas of heavy lake snow and blowing snow east of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario in the snow belts. Otherwise, variable clouds and flurries. High temperatures on Sunday, upper teens to the upper 20s. Wind chills low, single digits and below. All right, sounds like a very complicated forecast, Kevin. Finally, at noon today, if you made a New Year's resolution this year and things aren't going exactly as you planned, well, today is just for you. Family Life's Brian Query. National Quitters Day is held the second Friday in January. Its name doesn't exactly give the true meaning of the day. Some studies show that 90% of people who set resolutions quit them by the second Friday of January. But Quitters Day is set aside not to condemn people for failing to reach their goals, but rather to encourage and equip them to try again and ultimately succeed. People usually start with high levels of motivation, but that wanes very quickly. This day is meant to encourage those who have given up to try again by starting small and staying consistent and finding an accountability partner that can help keep you motivated. Add in persistence and you have a winning recipe to see success with your New Year's resolutions for 2024. Brian Query, Family Life News. Everybody needs a do-over. Thank you very much, Brian. And that's the world we live in, Friday, the 12th of January. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.